Good morning, CWC. How y'all doing today? Are you good? Come on, shout, I'm good. Amen, amen. And to all of you who are tuning in online, man, we love you. We appreciate you. I'm so excited to have you as well this morning. And, and so look, guys, man, we've been in a series titled Position, just like Jonathan said. And we have been in it for 13 weeks, which makes today the 14th week. Amen. 14 weeks, and it's a lot longer. We still got a couple more, by the way. But this is a lot longer than a normal series that we do. Typically, a series is three to four weeks, at the very most seven, but this is more than doubled what we originally or normally do. Um, and because, man, God has given us a ton to contemplate, right? He's given us a lot to chew on during, during this series. He's given us a ton of different positions in this series that we need to have as Christians, a ton of different ones, right? 13 so far, right? We've had position for purpose, positioned on purpose, positioned for equality, positioned in humility, positioned by love, right? Positioned as ambassadors, positioned as, um, praise the Lord, positioned for freedom, amen? Uh, Positioned uh, by grace, positioned for revelation, for peace and for pressing, and for wisdom. And so we went through all these different positions to make sure that we understand the importance of our positioning before God. To to understand, to make sure we understand that we must be positioned correctly before the king. Because how we are positioned before God will determine just how much God will use us and how much God will give us. It really does. How we are positioned before God is the most important thing in our entire lives. It's the most important thing. Not our jobs, not our careers, not our degrees, not our accolades, not our our titles, not our relationships even. But our position. Because where we are positioned and how we are positioned before the Almighty will determine where we spend eternity. This life is but a vapor. It's here one moment. It's gone the very next. So all the stuff that we've gathered on this earth and all the relationships we have, which are great, by the way, love my relationships. But but, but heaven and earth will pass away, but his word remains, right? So, So we spend eternity if we are positioned before the Almighty correctly. Amen. Amen. And so we've been going through all these different uh, positions so that not only do we know that we need to be positioned correctly, but also so we know how to be positioned correctly. It's one thing to say, hey, you need to, you know, have a a, a position towards God and be positioned before God. It's another thing to start explaining what does that look like? How do we go about? My thing is this, if the Bible doesn't become something that touches our everyday life, then what good is it? Because that's what God meant it to do to direct us through this thing called life, pointing us straight to, to Jesus. And, and so we've been you know, going through that and showing all the different ways that we can become positioned correctly before God. And today on week 14, we're gonna learn about one of the most important positions that we as Christians must have. That we must have. And, and look, this topic, man, it gets people fidgeting in their seats. It really does. Now, now, pre-COVID, I would say this is what I call a seat saver, right? It'll, it'll open seats for me. We got a ton of seats now because of COVID. Praise God. 
<clears throat> Praise the Lord, we rebuke you, Kevin. In Jesus' name, we bind you. But this topic, man, gets people fidgeting, man. It does. It, it, it causes people to start justifying and rationalizing the way they are currently living and, and their current positioning, right? This, this topic can cause all types of offenses to, to rise up in our, in our hearts. But I like it. I like the friction, man. I really do. Be, because friction rubs off the rough, the rough edges. It really does. And listen, if, if we don't allow God to work out this position in our hearts, we can never be positioned correctly before him. It will not happen. It cannot happen. So you guys ready for this? Come on, if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. <laughs> ready or not, if you're not ready, better get ready. Because <clears throat> ready or not, here God comes, not here I come. Right, Because this is God's word. And, and listen to me, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone from marrow and spirit from soul. Meaning this, his, his word will perform surgery on us. It will cut us and remove things from us. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse six says it this way. The Lord will circumcise your heart. He will cut your heart and the heart of your descendants. So that, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And after you do that, then you'll truly live. Then you'll truly live. So this is what the word of God does, man. It, it performs a, a surgical procedure in the deepest parts of our hearts so that we are positioned correctly before him. And, and today's message, I believe, is gonna do that for every single one of us in Jesus' name, if we allow it, amen. Lord, we bind any offense. <laughs> we loose your unity and your peace in this place. We, we ask for your spirit to touch us today. Amen. And so look, can you guys help me with the title? Really quick, can you help me announce it? Come on, positioned to give. One more time, positioned to give. Now tell your neighbor, be a giver. Be a giver. Now look, this is really countercultural, by the way. It, it, it really is. We live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Right, we, we really do. Now, a consumer-based society, this is where we live. Everything is about consuming. That's why our economy runs on consumer, right? Because we, we, we are consumers. And this is what we hear every day, right? Day in and day out. Get what you can get, take what you can take. Um, just, just go after it, right? We, we live in a society that preaches. Man, you've gotta get, you better get, you better take because nobody else will do it for you. Nobody else is out there for you, so you gotta do it yourself. But see, that doesn't apply to us. Praise God, we're not in the rat race of life. And I don't care what your business is. I don't care what you do for a living. You're not in the rat race like the rest of them. Amen. Trying to get more customers and more clients than the next guy and trying to cut their throat. To get, you don't have to do that. Because we're Christ followers. We're Christ followers and we have a promise, right? Listen. Everyone else may be cutthroat, but we don't have to repay evil with evil. Do you know that? We don't have to. Matter of fact, the Bible says don't. Don't repay evil for evil. Right? But we have a promise that he will provide. Not he might provide. Not even that he can. No, no. He will provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen.
We have the promise that if we give, it will be given back to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be placed in our lap. We have the promise that in the measure in which we give it will be the measure in which it is given back to us called reaping and sowing. It's a principle throughout the Bible. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap. This is this is the word of God. See, we, we have the promise, right? That if we are a generous people, we will be a prosperous people. That's the Bible. That's, that's not Keith, right? That's, that's God's word. And God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. He loves a giver with a smile on their face. He loves a cheerful giver. And so, man, we are, we are to, to give to the Lord our first fruits. Do you know that? Our, our first fruits. Now, look, I've got to be really honest with you. Like, I really, at one time in my pastorate, right, I really disliked preaching on giving. I really disliked it. I would get all uneasy about it. I'd be up for a couple of days, literally. I'd be sick. Like, God, really, why? Why everybody thinks I just want their money. I don't want your money. But I really, I, I had a really hard time with it. And I think, well, I know, because I really didn't have much understanding of it. I didn't have a real revelation of it, although I did it. How many know sometimes we don't need a revelation, we just do it because God's word says so. We just do it. Oh, I don't understand it completely. I don't know why I'm doing this, but hey, God, your, your word says so. I don't know why I lift my hands. Well, God, your word says so, so I'm gonna do it anyway, right? I'm following you, God, by faith because your word says to do it. But I'm telling you, I'm so grateful that I had a pastor who loved me enough to teach me about giving, who taught me about it. Very early on in my Christian walk, he told me I, did, I needed to do it, showed me in the Bible, and I said, okay, here we go, I'll give it. So I gave a tenth of whatever I earned to the house of the Lord. Now, now look, here's the thing, right? This, this world that I came from personally was terribly cutthroat. The world of addiction, right, is literally about consuming and taking. You take whatever you can take and then you consume as much as you can consume. That's addiction. That's what it is. And so for me, when the, the topic of giving came up, it really, really confused me. I'm telling you, it was, it was a foreign concept to me. It, and it was really, really tough on me. But, but, but I got to tell you, man, I was so hungry to follow Jesus. I was so hungry to go after the one that gave his life for my life. Man, I desired to be close to him. I was overwhelmed with gratefulness of what he had done for me and the life he had set me free from. And so, man, I was willing to do whatever I had to do. It didn't matter. I, I just do it. I just do it just to grow closer to him. And one of the things that my pastor taught me was, hey man, you gotta be a giver. You wanna, you wanna draw closer to God, you, you've got to be a giver. And, and, and I'll never forget, right, when he really honed in on me about giving. We had had a couple meetings about it and, and all that. Now listen, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta know this. I was in a men's recovery home at the time. 15 to 20 men packed in a four bedroom house, praise God. Shabbat, like, praise the Lord. 
COVID, it wouldn't go over well right now with COVID. Believe me, you had no space. I mean, you used four to six men deep, grown men deep, all trying to get off of drugs in this little house. You're talking about problems. Praise the Lord. But this is where I was at because the decisions I made with my life, I made really bad decisions and I had to do what I had to do to, to make sure I never went back to that life. And so anyway, I was there and, and what my mom would do, my mom and dad always, have always been so good to me. And anytime I would be trying to do the right thing, they would help me. The moment I wasn't, you gotta go. You gotta go, you gotta do the right thing. As soon as I do it, boom, they'd be there to help me, right? Which is, which is really good. A lot of times we enable people to stay in their mess, by the way, just a sidebar. Let God, get out of the way, let God, let God touch them. Let God work on them. Let God get them, right? Let God bring them to their knees, amen? Because it's the best thing for them. But anyway, because I was doing well, my mom and dad would send me 20 bucks every week, man. $20, you know, to you know, buy a fast food burger. And it was the greatest blessing in the world at that time. I promise you, we thought it was the freshest food ever at Burger King. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> because man, things that we ate was really suspect. But we didn't complain. We didn't complain, you know, the outdated meat by two weeks. We didn't complain. We ate what we had to eat. Our bellies were full and, and the world just kept turning, right? But, but I cherished that 20 bucks I would get week in and week out. And I'll never forget it because when we would open our, our mail, the pastor would stand in front of us or the home director would stand there to make sure we didn't get no contraband, praise the Lord, right? But we would open the mail and, and every, every week I'd get that 20, right? And one day... I was standing there. Mom would always write me a letter. She was always so sweet. Write me a letter. Son, praying for you. I'm with you. Da, da, da. Give me this 20. And, and I opened it up, right? I opened up in the mail and there's the $20. And my pastor says, are you tithing on that? To a men's home kid, right? Like, well, not a kid, but a man. Are you tithing on that 20? And I was like, well, what? what are you talking about? Why would I do that? Like, What? Well, why would I give a 10th of that? I mean, it's, it's, it's $2. I mean, I'll tell you what I'll do, pastor. And I, and I begin to reason, right? Because by the way, that, that's what a 10th is, right? That's what the tithe is, a 10th of what we earn. That's our income we, we bring into the house of the Lord. And so I said, pastor, that's two bucks. Come on, that's so insignificant. I'll tell you what, soon as I get out of the men's home and I start working and I start making real money, I'll tithe off of that. I promise you, I'll tithe off of that. And, and I'll never forget what he said to me. And it was actually pretty harsh. <laughs> he said, he said, Keith, if you can't give $2 off of 20, you'll never be able to give 200 off the 2,000. Never. It will not happen. And you can say all the words you want to say to justify it, but it will never happen. And he said, what is significant is, is this that God will see that you trust him with what you have now. And because he sees you trust him with the little bit of money now, he will trust you with more money later. Because when you are faithful with the little, then you will receive a lot. See, we always want to do that backwards. Give me a lot, I'll be faithful. It's not even true. We won't, we'll just blow it. We'll just, we'll just blow it, right? But we want to do it backwards. And God says, no, 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 no. When you're faithful with little, then I will increase to you your bounty. Then I'll increase it. And, and so from that moment forward, it never failed. It was the very first thing I did every single week or month or biweekly, whatever, whenever my paycheck would come in. It's the first check that my wife and I write every single month. We don't pay our bills first. We don't buy groceries first. None of that. We don't even buy me a new pair of skinny jeans and J's first. 
If I got enough left over, praise the Lord. Let's go get a pair, honey. Thank you. Um, but we don't do any of that first. First thing we do is we write our tithe. 10% of what we earn comes into the house of God. We're faithful with our tithes and our offerings. We're faithful with it. We're faithful with it. And see, there's a difference, by the way, with tithes and offerings. There's a difference between them. There's a difference. See, see, the tithe is what we bring into, the Bible says, the storehouse. We, what we earn, we bring into the house of God. Right? So we bring it in right here to, to CWC. I remember a, pastor, a guy one time said, well, why do you pay tithes, pastor? I'm like, what? Well, why do you pay tithes? You work at the church. You shouldn't have to pay tithes. I'm like, so if the leader don't pay tithes, I can't expect people to pay tithes. Like, what are you talking about? I can't follow God in this commandment. How can I expect others to follow God in this commandment? But every month we bring it right here for the need of the church. The vision of the church directs those funds. They do that. Now, that's the tithe. The offering is something we pray about. Lord, where do you want it? God, where do you want your offering? Because that's not automatically designated. The offering is where I feel like the Lord in the moment leads me to give it. Sometimes that's here with the carnivore, Jesus shop or whatever we got going on outreach. Other times it's other ministries. Other times it's even causes outside of church, other nonprofits and things that are happening. Sometimes we give to those things. But the tithe has to come here because the Bible says, bring your whole tithe, your whole 10%, not 6%, not 50 bucks, not 25 bucks a week. No, not $100 a week. No, your whole tithe into the storehouse, into the church, into the place where you're being fed, into the place where God has called you, into the church you're called to be a part of. So that's where we, we bring our tithe, right? And the reason we don't pray about it is because God already declared it. It's already in the word of God. He's not gonna change his word. His word remains. It doesn't go anywhere and he'll never speak something contrary to the word of God. He just doesn't do it. And so God already spoke where the tithe goes and so we, we give the tithe. But the offering, man, we pray, we carefully consider, God, where do you want it? But there's also a third way of giving. We're called to be a generous people. We're called to be generous. There's a third way of giving and it's called alms. It's called alms. That's when we give to the needy. Give you an example. Every time we pass somebody that's panhandling, the Holy Spirit never fails. Keith, give them a money. Whatever cash you got in your pocket, you give it to them. Okay, Lord, cool. Guess what? I don't get to go home later, calculate. Oh, that was $35. I'm gonna take that off the offering this month. No, no, that's separate from the offering. That's separate from the tithe. That's my alms when I give to the needy, which God says, take care of the poor and the needy. That's, that is a commandment. But when I give to benevolent causes, that is my alms, right? That's my alms. And so those are the three types of giving. There's tithes, offerings, then alms, and it's in that order. That's the biblical order in the scriptures on, on giving, on giving. And it's funny because people, right, I love people, they'll, they'll justify to me why they don't give in this manner, right? They'll, they'll justify to it. And to me, listen, to me, I don't care, like, it's not on me what you do. Like, you don't have to justify to me. You're gonna answer to God, not me. So I just gotta give you what the word of God says. That's what I am required to do. I'll answer to God for what I preach in his word. And so, but people will come and justify and say, well, you know what, pastor, you know, tithing is an Old Testament giving. Well, the funny thing is, is tithing predates the law. 
The first time you see it done in scripture is Abraham with Melchizedek. He gave a tenth of his spoils. Tithing was introduced into scripture. Boom, right there. God introduced it. The thing is, even if we want to call it Old Testament giving, well, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law in the Old Testament. I came to, fu to fulfill it. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus himself says, you need to tithe. But you also need to give mercy, justice, and peace to all. Right, so one doesn't exclude you from the other. It's not like you can give a lot of money and then you're cool. You know what I mean? It kind of pays for you being a, a jerk, right? Like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But listen to me, scripture is very, very clear. If we wanna be positioned before God correctly, we have to be a generous people who give to the work of the Lord. We're just called to do that. And look, I've said this many times before today. I've said this many times. If we are in a church that we're not giving to, then we need to find a church we will give to. Hear me. I heard, I heard a guy one time say, hey, dude, you may run some people off. I don't care. No, no, I don't care. My concern is what you are held accountable for when you stand before God. And if you come here and you can't give here, find a church you can give to. Praise the Lord, because I'm more concerned with your soul than an offering. I promise you that. And so we need to find a place we can give to. Because the fact of the matter is this, again, we will all answer for the measure in which we give to the work of God. We'll all answer before God. Again, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And we will answer to the Lord in which we gave to his bride. How many of you know his bride, he wants his bride taken care of. He really does. And there will be no excuse to suffice God on that day. There will be no, well, God, the reason I didn't is because of this. And God's gonna be like, cool. No, 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 it won't be cool. There'll be no excuse that suffices. We need to be in a church that we can give to, to the work of the Lord. Come on, tell your neighbor again, be a giver. Tell them, say, be a giver. But, but seriously, at one point in time in, in ministry, man, I really struggled on preaching about giving. But can I tell you now, I love it. I love to speak about giving because now I have a revelation of it. I have a revelation of it because God has shown me what it does through us being faithful in our giving, my wife and I, in our tithes, our offerings, and our alms. I've watched the Lord every single time deliver, every time. And listen to me, there's been multiple times when my wife said to me, honey, we write this tithe check. We won't have money to cover this bill, that bill, and that bill. There's no, listen, we did the math. My wife is a CPA and a darn good one, by the way. Praise the Lord. But she's like, hey, dude, we write this check. We're not, we're not gonna be able to pay that bill, that bill, or that bill. What do you wanna do? Let's trust God. God said, bring your first fruit to me. Bring it to me. And, and I promise you, not one time have we ever been late on a bill. Have we ever missed a payment on a bill? Now, we may be late, not because we didn't have the money, but because we forgot to write the check. But <clears throat> that's my wife too, praise the Lord. Anyway. <laughs> but God has taken care of us time and time again. He's never failed me yet. Not one stinking time. And man, I got story after story, which I'll share a couple with you. Man, every single time. I remember one time, right? We gave, we didn't have the money. And we needed over $1,000 to take care of what we needed to take care of. We didn't have it. An anonymous money order shows up 
with no name on it, just pay to order Keith deal over the amount that I needed and way over the amount we had given, right? There's been multiple other times, real simple things where God has had me in a service and say, hey, give the money in your pocket. And me say, Lord, I got 40 bucks and I need gas to get home. I'm an hour and a half away from home. I just drove out to be in a church service because a certain person was preaching and I wanted to hear them. So I drove out there, got 40 bucks to my name, right? And God say, put it all in the, put it all in the plate. What? Put it all, how am I gonna get home? Put it in the plate. Literally sitting in the car outside of church, Everybody's gone. I got my head down praying, Lord, I had gas. I, mean, I don't know, how am I gonna get home? Random guy, knock on my window. Hey man, felt like the Lord said, give you this money. Filled my tank up. These stories happen, I mean, frequently for us. Frequently for us. Shoot, I can remember one time at Christmas time, right? Early on in our marriage, in Jules and I's marriage. Right at Christmas time, we, 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 we didn't have much money. Not, not much money at all. And so we weren't gonna have a very big Christmas. We just weren't, we didn't have no money. What are you gonna do, right? And God spoke to us to give all of our money away. And the amount in which he told us to give was way above what we'd ever normally gave, way above it. Because we just never had it. So, you know, and wouldn't you know it, the day before Christmas, I wish God would do it like a week before Christmas or like a week before the deadline my bill needs paid, but it's always right up to the minute, praise God. But the day before Christmas, boom, go out to the mailbox just to open it up, boom. Literally an envelope filled with $100 bills. Just filled randomly sitting there. Oh my God, you're incredible. This is what the Lord does. This is what he does. By the way, we had an amazing Christmas that year too. So it's terrific to see that. But because we've been faithful in our giving, God's always provided for our family. We have never lacked. We have never needed nothing. Maybe wanted, because I, I want about 30 more pairs of J's, but I've never went without a need, ever. Because God will always do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. That's who he is. And so now look, when I feel like the Lord's telling me to preach on giving, I got no problem. Cool, Lord, let's go. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it because all I gotta do now is give my testimony, what God has done through my life. And people can't argue with the testimony you have. They can try to argue theory and theology and all this, they can't argue your testimony. They cannot. And look, man, now I realize just how important it is for us to be givers, for us to give, for us to be a people who, who give not only, who, who not only know about giving, but live a life of giving. It's very, very important because if we are generous, right, with our giving, if we're generous with that stuff, we will be positioned to receive from God and to be used by God. But you know, <clears throat> this, is, this is why our church, in case you didn't know this, right, which some of you probably don't know this, but our church gives over 20% of the income away that comes in this church. Over 20% we give, we give away to other ministries, to the needy, to Israel, by the way, the nation of Israel, because the Bible says, if you take care of the nation of Israel, I will bless those that bless them. I take the Bible at its word. And so, man, we make sure every month we're sending money to Israel because we want to bless that nation because it's God's people. I don't know what to tell you. It just is because he said it. Huh. And so we do that, but we give over 20% away. And because we're so generous, the Lord always takes care of us. Always. Because the leadership in this church want to hear from God, 
want to be used by God, want to receive whatever God has for all of us here. They, they really have a deep desire for that. And so we are positioned as a leadership group to give. We're positioned to give. And let me be clear, when we are positioned to give, not only will we hear from God and not only will we be used by God, which is incredible, not only that, but the most important part, when we're givers, we look like God. When we're givers, we look like him. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved that he, he gave. John, or James chapter three says this, that God is the giver of every perfect and good gift. God is a giver. He's a giver. And when those of us who have given our lives to Jesus start becoming givers, man, we start looking like God. We start looking like God. How cool is that? Come on, tell your neighbor, be a giver. Be a giver. And listen to me, giving is not a request, by the way. It's not a request. It's not like God is asking you to give. No, no, God's telling you. God tells us to give. It's a requirement. Malachi chapter three, starting in verse eight. What we find in Malachi chapter three, starting in verse eight, is God having an exchange with his people. And this is, in this exchange, God looks at them and says, you have robbed me. You have stolen from me what is rightfully mine. What I've required of you, you have taken from me. The people of God say, well, well what are you talking about? How have we robbed you? God says, with your tithes and your offerings. You haven't brought your tithe. Verse 10, then it goes in. Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. And he, sees, and he says this, he says, and see that I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, you won't be able to contain it. Test me in this. But the reason you're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse is so that my storehouse will have food, will have what it needs to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom. Giving is a, is a commandment. It's a commandment. And if we do it, we'll be blessed by God for it. Until, the Bible says, until we're overflowing. We won't even be able to contain it. But you know, I did a study on giving in the church today. What I found was actually very staggering. Only 2.5% of Americans tithe. Only 2.5% of Americans in churches today tithe. 2.5. And so Malachi is a prophetic book. It's a prophetic book. It's speaking to things to come. That's what prophecy is. It's the prophecy is not talking about what happened in the past. That's just talking. <laughs> prophecy is about what's going to happen in the future. And so you got to ask yourself and wonder, is God in Malachi chapter three talking to the church today? Is he asking us, did you rob me? Why, why are you robbing me by withholding from me your tithes and your offerings. Give to me what I've asked you to give because it's all mine anyway. Amen. I mean, no, it's all God's. Yeah. It's all God's. And if we give to him, right? He says this, if we give to him, I'll, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour out so much you'll never have lack in your entire life. I find people, Christians, who struggle with money all the time, but they're not tithers. They're not tithers. People say to me, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. <laughs> you can't afford not to tithe, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I see it constantly because they haven't had the revelation of giving. 
We can't outgive God. It's impossible. And when we were faithful with our tithes and our offerings, he'll open up the windows of heaven. But here's the thing, listen to me. He can only multiply what you give him. He can only multiply what you give him. God showed me this, it's so true. He showed me this in the feeding of the 5,000. How many know that story where they bring him two small fish and five loaves of bread? They've got over 5,000 people there, hungry, starving. Been listening to Jesus preach for hours, right? Maybe I'm gonna start being like Jesus and preach for hours, praise the Lord. Right? So they're starving and Jesus, right? The disciples come up to Jesus. Hey, you know, these people are hungry. Won't you send them home early? So they don't have to walk home in the dark and, and hungry, you know, send them home. Jesus said, no, you feed them. What? We only got two fish and five loaves. How are we supposed to do that? He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. The Bible says that when they gave it to Jesus, he broke it, gave thanks for it. And he multiplied it, okay? He multiplied it. And they were all able to eat over 5,000 people with two small fish and five small loaves of bread. Over 5,000 people had eaten and had their fill, scripture says. And after Jesus sent his disciples around to gather up all the leftovers, 12 baskets of leftover fish and leftover bread from two small fish and five loaves of bread. And the Lord said to me, if they would have not given me the fish, if they would have not brought to me the bread, I would have not been able to multiply it. They had to bring it to me. I can only multiply what you give me. They wouldn't have brought it. He wouldn't have been able to supply for their need until they were overflowing. We see so much lack in Christians' lives today because they're unwilling to give it to God so that God can bring about a multiplication in their life. And people miss the blessing that God has for them. Giving is a requirement. And listen, nothing else we can do can bring about the blessing of giving. It's only giving. There's certain things that God requires and it's specific. There's no way to you know, fast more to get the giving blessing. Can't do that. Can't do that. It only comes about when we're faithful in our giving. It's a requirement. And this is why. It's not as though God needs your money or my money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold underneath them hills. He owns it all. But what it shows is our commitment to his lordship, our submission to him. It shows him that we deem the advancing of his kingdom important on this earth. That's what it shows. I'm telling you this, you follow someone's checkbook and their credit card statement, you'll see what they deem important. You'll see, you'll see what, what, they, what has them and what they're submitted to by looking at it. And we've got to, to ask ourselves the question, are we submitted to his lordship, even in the area of our finances, even in that area? And do we think advancing his kingdom is important enough for me to give to it? Is it important enough? Simple question, harsh question, but a question we all have to answer. Do we think making sure that the storehouse has the food it needs to advance his message? Does the church have what it needs to continue to, to preach the gospel and get lives saved? See, that's on us as the church to make sure it does as, as the body of Christ. And here's the thing about giving. Giving takes the focus off of us and puts it back on God. It makes life more than just about us. Oh my gosh, it's really big life out there. 
And there's so much that we can accomplish and giving has the ability to do that. We've gotta be positioned to give. See, Paul says in Philippians, right, chapter four, he says, not that I seek the gift itself, but rather I seek the profit, which increases to your account because you're willing to give the gift. See, look, I'm not looking and preaching on giving because I'm looking for you to give a gift to the church. Care less about the gift. God always takes care of us, I promise. It's crazy. It's crazy what God does here. But what I do seek is the profit that will be given to you because of your faith and your trust and giving unto the Lord. Giving to him. Jesus said this. He said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Paul quotes him in Acts chapter 20. It's more blessed to give than receive. It's funny because theologians argue. They say Paul misspoke. He misspoke. You can't find it anywhere in the New Testament. Jesus saying it's more blessed to give and receive. Well, it's funny to me. Paul would have never had the New Testament. Like, what are you talking about? Paul didn't have the New Testament. You know what Paul had? A direct communication with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus would show up and speak supernaturally to Paul. Paul didn't need Peter and them to tell him. He had Jesus directly to tell him. And he said, the Lord said to me, it's more blessed to give than receive. When we become a giver, We will profit from our giving. It's an incredible truth. But listen to me, being a giver doesn't just apply to your finances. See, I see a lot of people with a lot of money give so they don't have to do anything. So true. It doesn't have just to do with money. It has to do with our time. We are to be generous givers financially and generous givers of our time. That's what a generous people is. Not only are we called to contribute financially to the church and to the work of the Lord, but we're called to contribute to do the work of the Lord. See, see, here's the thing. How many of you realize that the church is the body of Christ? You are part of a body. One being the arm, one being the foot, one being the leg, the other one. Jesus being the head. You're not the head, but you're also not the tail. Praise the Lord. One's the foot, one's the hand, one's the... What am I trying to say? That when we are not involved in contributing in our church, the body is missing a part of itself. The body experiences lack when we do that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has given you certain talents and certain giftings. You. to bring in and to be a part of the body. You know, I hear people all the time say, well, you know, I haven't found a church I like. And I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But only looking at what I like makes it all about I. Gives you a consumer mentality and not a contributor because it's still all about I. I wanna find a church that does the worship I like, right? The preaching that I like. Let me get an amen. The modern feel that I like. This is the stuff I hear a lot. But what if we shifted our thinking and start praying? God, put me where you will use me. God, put me where I can use the gifts and the talents you have so graciously given me. If we have that mindset, we go from a consumer to a contributor. Now I'm willing to contribute to the body. And this is the thing we have to protect against, especially post-pandemic. 
post-COVID. COVID has made us even a greater consumer. A greater consumer. Sit at the house. Ah, we'll just watch online. It's cool. We'll just, ah, we'll just watch online. This is what COVID has done. Just being honest. It's turned us even into more consumer mentality than what we had prior to it. But see, we gotta have the Lord search our hearts in this. We have to. God, search me. Why am I not contributing? Why am I not involved? Because listen to me, listen to me. There will be no excuse when you stand before the king. The parable of the talents speaks clearly to that. He gave one five talents, give another two talents, give another one talent. The five doubled his, the two doubled his, the one buried his. And the excuse was, is because God, I knew you were a hard man and you reaped where you did not sow. And I knew you were hard. Jesus said, I don't care, depart from me. You worker of iniquity, I never knew you. God is for real, he's serious about the talents and us standing there saying, yeah, but what about the pandemic? It's not gonna matter. The excuse is not going to be sufficient for the king. It's just not. I love you enough to tell you directly. See, we need to be a part of the body, contributing to the body contributing financially and physically so that we can advance the kingdom of God together. Did you know in in church, there's the 80-20 rule? 80-20 rule, meaning this, 20% of people do 80% of the work. 20% of people do 80% of the giving as well. It's the 80-20 rule, meaning there's so many Christians sitting on the sidelines, not getting in and not fulfilling their part of the body not doing their thing in the family. Man, in my family, if you didn't, if you didn't hold your weight, boy, you got, you got lit up. You got lit up. But, but you know what excites me? This is what really excites me. Man, the church has been able to accomplish so much with only 20%. Watch what happens when all the people of God rise up and start giving and start serving it's going to be incredible. It's going to be credible. Look out enemy because there'll be no stopping God's people. There'll be no stopping because they'll all look like him and all of them will serve just like he served. It will be an incredible move of God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, come on, stand to your feet. We're going to close. Look at your neighbor. Say, be a giver. Be a giver. Look, maybe you're, you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't, I don't have much to give. I don't have much to give. Okay, great. Give what you can. We've got to start somewhere. I had $2 to give. That's all I had, $2. That's all I could give. God says, test me in this. Do you notice the only place in the Bible God says, test me in anything? Matter of fact, scripture says, do not test the Lord your God. It's like, God, it's a mixed message, right? It's, like, it's a mixed message. What am I supposed to do? Test you or not test you? Don't test me in any other area, but just in giving. Seriously. Test me and see if I won't be faithful to you and multiply everything you've given me. See if I won't do it. And all of us here, right, need to contribute what we can contribute help where we can help fulfill the part of the body that we know we're good at fill that part because when you're not using your talents for the kingdom you hurt the entire body 
You hurt the entire body. And here's the thing, those of you who are serving and giving, let me encourage you with this. The word of the Lord says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season, you will reap a harvest. When the time comes, God will pour out the blessing. So don't grow weary in it. I know sometimes it's tough when you're the 20%, doing the 80%, it can be tough. But God says, don't grow weary. No, in due season, I promise you, I'll pour it out on you. We must be positioned to give so that we put ourselves in position to receive. We have to give to receive. If we're holding on to it, your hand is closed. You can't receive nothing. When your hand is open, freely give and it will be freely given back to you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for each and every person that is here today and is watching online. God, I pray right now that you would touch each and every one of our hearts. That God, you would give each of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can become givers, God. Because God, we want to look like you. We want to be like you. Lord, we want to hear you and we want to receive from you. But God, this is not something we can just muster up in the flesh, God. We got to we got to have your spirit reveal it. So I pray, Lord, that you would touch every heart, every mind in this place. Rise up within your church, the spirit of generous giving. God, make us excited. Cause us to be excited to contribute with our talents and our giftings to advance your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for each and every person here. I speak a blessing over them. God, I speak your favor upon them. And I pray that your spirit would be all, all around them. Let them experience you this week as they leave this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen.